0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Dr. Paul Etchison here, and welcome back to another edition of DPH Clinical. I am joined by the fabulous and awesome guys, Dr. Dan Brisky and Dr. DeHair Dune of Colorado Surgical Institute. What's going on, guys? How you guys doing? What's up, man? We're good.
1: Good, man. about to start a full arch course tomorrow, so me and Dune are up late solving problems today.
0: Oh man, lots of problems. You got big problems to solve or you just got to get an excuse to get out of the house and leave the wife at home?
1: We had one (laughs) guy come back with his paperwork late. He went to his medical doctor for his medical approval to get his A1C and just a stamp of yes for the surgery. Mm. And he came back with an A1C of 12.
0: That's not good on his piece
1: of paper. Yep. He's like, I'll sign anything you want. Yeah. I'll sign any paper, reliability release. I don't care. I just want to get my teeth. I'm like, Nope. Sorry, man. You shouldn't have ate those two boxes of donuts.
0: That's smart. (laughs) I remember doing that. Like in dental school, it's like, if your blood pressure was like, I think 135 or something like that. And I'd be like, they look fine. I mean, they look okay. I just want to work on them. Then when I got out, it was like, oh, 150, And then it was one that there's a certain point where even me, I'm like, well, like, part of me is like, I think I'm just going to stop taking blood pressure. <laughs> rather, yeah, know, right. Everyone, <laughs> everyone is fine. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is you realize a lot of people have blood pressure if you're taking it every procedure. So mm-hmm. now, okay, I don't know if any attorney is going to hear that one day and that's going to come back and bite me in the ass. But
1: yeah, but- no, I take blood pressure <laughs>
0: on everybody. We don't go 120 over 80. <laughs> we only see marathon runners and non-smokers at my practice. So yes. that's So you got to <laughs> scramble to kind of fill the spot, huh?
1: Yep. Yep. Last minute scramble mode. Yep. Yeah, but I it's can... always like that we every course we, we've gotten into, like gosh, we're on our like 15th course now, I think it is, or 16th. So we've been hit with pretty much every single problem you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Learn by yeah experience. The
2: first time something like this happened, you get worried. And then after that, you're like, okay, we got plenty of patients who are in the queue. They just need to drop work and, and come here and, and make it happen. And we just tell them like, hey, we'll give you a little extra incentive to show up and leave us a nice marketing video. And then we have like five patients who are ready to go. Because at the end of the day, at this point, where the course is tomorrow, these docs are all traveling. They're probably already on their flights or already landed in yeah. hotels. So yeah, it's nothing we haven't dealt with before. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: I could see that. All right, hair, what are we talking about today, man? What are we going to share with the listeners?
2: So I was at the Practice Launchpad seminars, and I think you did an episode with Chris Green and Tom Reed recently. Me and Greeny have a company called the Practice Launchpad. And we were in San Diego lecturing to a bunch of random docs at various ages, people doing expansions, but people doing their first startup and dental students. And so just while we're kind of chatting in the after hours over drinks and stuff, we were just like talking about what young docs and what people who are trying to avidly get into CE are interested in hearing. And it was a vantage point we never talked about before, but they're like, hey, I'm young. I got this huge runway ahead of me, but I also got a lot of debt. How can I feasibly make an investment into ce and kind of justify that because we're at a course talking about profitability and how to run a well-run business and how to get your startup off the ground and they're like well how do i drop 10 or 20 or 30 into ce and i guess i'm far enough removed from it where i'm just like well how can you not right that's not necessarily the answer that people want to hear but like 11 years out i'm like man i'm happy i dropped all that coin in the beginning of my career because I got the gains for so long. So I figured we would just chat about that. Some of the struggles of younger docs with increased student loans, and then how full arch or implants or any type of surgical procedure, you don't really graduate with that type of knowledge and you gotta get it somewhere and how they actually feasibly do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's, I have a coaching client that's working on, really wants to do molar I give him mad props for just like being brave enough to do Muller Endo. And he's sending me, texting me some pictures. How's this one? It's like, uh, okay, it's decent, but, and he's had some flubs and we've talked about it and stuff, but then I told him to take a course and I recommended he take Aaron Nicholas course. So he went out and did it. But in the meantime, he reached out to me newer dentist. Dennis, is this a reasonable amount? This seems like a lot of money for the course. And I'm just like, you want to do Endo, right? Yeah. But I don't know if it's worth it. I'm like, well, if you want to do Endo, it's worth it. I mean, you're just getting out of school and man, you could use this for the next 35 years of your life. Think about all the patients you can help and stuff. But I think it's tough. I remember being in dental school. I graduated in 2012 and we would get like at every beginning of the semester, they just dump a bunch of money into my checking account. And I think the most it ever was, was like $9,000. And that was like the most money I ever had in my checking account at that time. And to think that you going to go drop like $4,000, $5,000 on a weekend course, or like as in your case, I mean, it's a big surgical course. I think it's a big mental roadblock to get over, but I agree with you. How could you not? I mean, if you want to do this level of dentistry and you want to be that level of dentist, how do you not do it? So what would you say, Brisky? What's your experience been graduating and getting into stuff? Because, I mean, obviously you guys are both like super GPs and nearly, I guess, specialists with the stuff that you do surgically. How is it for you, like graduating and doing into this stuff?
1: I am officially seven years out. So I graduated back in 2016, but that was a lot of stuff to learn in seven years, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of docs will ask me like at a conference, something, like, hey, how did you get there so fast? I actually advise docs not to do a startup right out of school. I actually tell mm-hmm. them to wait two years and wait two to three years to spend a lot of money on CE and also build the capital, then do your startup after that. Because it's like, what do you pick? How can you afford? And I'm gonna let Doom play devil's advocate on this one too, because him and I do that all the time. But it's like, how do you spend 40k in a year on CE your first year or in your second year, right? And you're just spending all this money, and you're having to finance some of these things at some either zero percent or over three percent interest rate. And then learned how to do these advanced clinical procedures, and then do a startup, or do you do them both at the same time, right? But if you do them both at the same time, are you now going to be implementing these slower? because you didn't give yourself the two to three years to learn the surgery.
0: Yeah. And I think another thing too, is think about startups, we see these startup practices and they're like, gosh, I wish I was more busy. The startup struggle is real. Oh my gosh. And it's like, well, if you knew how to do more procedures, you wouldn't be referring so many things out and you'd probably be a lot more busy. Yeah. See all those little holes yep. in your schedule? That's an endo. That's an implant. That's an extraction. It's one of those things. I think it's a mental roadblock. It's just, we finally get to the point where we're going to make some decent money. And then everyone's recommending, go spend your money on education. And most docs are like, I just did. And it was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. No, You spent it on the degree so then you could go out there and work and then actually create the lifestyle that you have. But I understand why people think that way. Because, dude, it's like some people are coming out with 500 grand in debt. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. It's absolutely nuts but it is what it is and you are where you are and you have that contract and you're going to pay it back. And what the way to do it is to do higher reimbursable procedures. Like I have two associates here. Half of today's schedule was surgery between me and all the associates. They do surgery as well. If we look at it through that vantage point, I mean, then I would just be busy only myself doing GP work and I wouldn't have the ability to keep my associates busy if we weren't doing specialty procedures in this practice. And then also, I mean, from the perspective of having a skill set early on and then actually building on that skill set. Like Dr. Brisky, like when do you start doing implants and surgery? Like year one, year two, maybe? Yeah. First year out. Yep. Okay. So from year one up and through seven, all the skills are stacking on top of one another. So then all the revenue you're gaining from doing these surgical procedures is there forever for the 35 years, like you talked about. So like Warren Buffett said, like compounded interest is like the eighth wonder of the world. It's like having the skill set and creating the revenue through specialty procedures as a generalist is the eighth wonder of the world in terms of revenue that you can produce in your practice. And that's just profit. And if we're just like looking at this from like that perspective, like, okay, how do you pay off your debt? How do you get everything done? Like, this is the fastest way to do it. It's not the only way to do it. I also was on another webinar and they asked like, hey, does everyone need to do surgical procedures? And my initial answer was like, absolutely not. If you don't like this stuff, don't do it. Like if there's zero interest in any of this stuff and you want to just do endo, take Aaron's course, Aaron Nicholas's course, like you'll get good at endo and you can do endo buildups and crowns very fast, very efficiently. And that's one avenue or get good at ortho. And Paul, I know you do a crap ton of ortho. Mm-hmm. And so ortho is also for me, I love ortho. It's a lot of fun. It's cool seeing the kids grow up, especially because they go through this really weird beanstalk age and they just <laughs> turn into like an adult kind of in front of you. So it's fun. But yeah, just do any specialty procedure that brings joy to the passion you have for your career. And it doesn't have to be surgery. Surgery is just the avenue that me and Dr. Brisky teach.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, you don't have to do everything. I hate doing ortho, actually. It's the one thing I won't Stop do in my it. practice. Yeah. I just don't. I really don't like it. So I don't do it in my practice. Do it again. Everyone call. calls everyone me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, I just hate it so much that I don't <laughs> want to do it.
0: <laughs> well, it's like to Harry, you said, like, should everyone do surgery? i want to go. Yeah. And like, you do it until you like it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, like when you're like, your kids, like you're going to eat that and
0: you're going to like it. I remember Molarendo. Okay. Like this is my Molarendo experience. I do tons of Molarendo. I'm not scared. I can find MB2. My endos are solid. I can do them fast. There was a point where I broke like my seventh file in like three weeks. I told like the guy I was working with, one of the older docs, I'm like, dude, I just, molarendo's not for me. I just can't take the stress. I, I feel like I'm hurting patients. He said, dude, let's get some extracted teeth. We're going to figure this out. Don't give up on this. It turned out to be one of like my favorite procedures. When you dislike a procedure, it's different to dislike the actual doing it versus I dislike being uncomfortable because I'm not skilled enough to do it. Because if you ask me what brings me joy, ortho, band in bracket ortho, you ask me what literally sucks the joy out of my life and rots and squeezes and sets my soul on fire. Well, I mean, like bad stuff, setting soul on fire kind of sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> it's class two fillings, man. I hate class two fillings. And if you did no specialty procedures, damn, you're just doing class two fillings all day, pretty much. I don't know how you could not do it. I mean, it's one of the things, and I want to go with like, yeah, I think you should, everyone should do surgery. You got a patient that comes in even to simple a surgical extraction. I mean, patients are in pain. Help them out. I mean, you want, that's one of the best feelings. When people come in pain, they're, oh, I just can't. And my other doc, they wouldn't even get me in. So that's why I'm in here. And you're just like, you want to get it out right now? Yeah, let's do it. Even when like they're super, they can't even get them numb. They're like, hey, I might not be able to get you numb. You're pretty swollen, but you cool with that? I want it out. Let's go. Um, buckle up. And they're just so thankful. I love that stuff. So has that been your experience? Like Dan, Risky, you think that? Or what do you think? Should everyone do surgery?
1: I think everyone should do some level of surgery, right? I, I agree. I agree 100%. I think people will find out along the way where they tap out. We find a lot of doctors will hit different blocks in their surgical journey. There were some. I think one block is wisdom teeth, mm-hmm. for sure. Some docs will do an impact of wisdom teeth, and if they can, they'll keep excelling. If they can't, then they'll kind of stay in that zone, which is perfectly fine. And I do find that a lot of docs will get to the stage where they start doing implants And then they'll learn lateral sinuses or vertical sinuses or how to augment a ridge to be wider than six millimeters to place an implant. And then that's another big roadblock that we see. And it's okay. Like I've had a lot of my friends along the way where they would just stop there and they would just do single implants. And that's totally cool. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Because that's a great thing to have in your practice. But you don't have to do full arch if, if that's what we're calling surgery, right? Yeah, I agree with that.
2: I think full arch, if you don't do it regularly, and you're not happy with surgery, full arch is not for the faint of heart. Because if you're not doing it enough and you're not efficient at it, you're just gonna lose money on doing the cases, or you break even and you're like, okay, well, it was fun to do that case pro bono type of thing. So when it comes to full arch, like that's the last thing we want you to stack onto the skill set because it's once you tie everything in, you're like, okay, cool, I really love all of this and I'm in for the ride, or buckle up, then it's like, hey, let's do some full arch. Cause if you can dial that into your practice and it's efficient dude, that's like white hot. That stuff is amazing. But I just want to touch on one thing. If you're in a startup position and you don't like surgery, I think you owe it to yourself to still do it. So your business is successful. So that note that has a lien on your house, if you have a wife and kids, if you have a house, you're covering that and you're making yourself, nothing is recession proof, but you're being more recession resistant with how you're setting up your business. So I think if you are a private practice owner, especially in startup mode, You should significantly like think
1: about this stuff because yeah, there's a lot on the line for you. Your name's on the note. Chris Green came to my practice two weeks ago and I didn't know he was even in the building. He just dropped by to take a peek at the building. He's like, you know, right. So the one who's your partner in, in TPL and he heard me treatment plan a Zygo and he goes, Hey brisky, how many startup docs can do a Zygo? (laughs) So (laughs) I (laughs) was like, but no, I agree with you, right? Like if you involve all these levels of surgery, you have this on tap, you have this level of potential for income in your practice you would have never had before. And in the beginning, you have to take so much CE. If you don't, how are you going to figure out what you want to do in your actual practice? You don't know if you like endo yet. You don't know if you like oral surgery yet or where your boundaries are going to be. But I think the first three years out, I went on a mission of trying to find out Why dental school told me I couldn't do a bunch of things. And if it was really that hard, and then two, where am I going to tap out? And what do I really love? Like as a passion, what's going to make me passion? How do I get another 30 years out of myself practicing dentistry and not have burnout? Right? So I think you have to spend that money. If you don't, you're never going to figure any of these things out.
2: Hey, everyone. This is Dr. Ty doing with Colorado Surgical Institute. Dr. Brisky and myself have really enjoyed doing these podcasts with Dr. Etch and talking about everything clinical so keep your guys's feedback coming it really helps us curate what we're going to be talking about on the podcast if you want to learn how to do live patient surgeries and actually do the work yourself with the guidance of dr Brisky and myself come out and see us we're in northern colorado we're just north of denver and we can have you do anything from single implants to wisdom teeth to iv sedation to oral sedation bone blocks and gbr and sinus lifts, vertical and lateral, and full arch with the whole digital workflow using photogametry, 3D printers, mills, and all of the above. So we're here to help. Reach out to us. You can call Chris Richards, our director, at 970-420-6148, and he will definitely have a hero discount for you guys because we love Paul and we love DPH.
0: And the thing, too, is that For one, I think I was kind of similar in my journey as you, Brisky, is like there was part of me that was like, oh, you tell me I can't do this. Well, watch, watch what I can do. I don't know if that's arrogance or stubbornness or what would you call it? But that was a little bit of a motivator for me. But I was just thinking we're talking about spending money in a time where maybe new docs and new grads don't have a whole lot. But another thing that's great, too, is I remember when I did my startup, the bank's like, you're a dentist. How much you want? here you go. <laughs> you know, Most credit cards are kind of the same way. And I don't know if there's a stat for dentists and credit. Like if we're just like, who knows if it makes professionals and credit, like, but banks want to give you money and it is an investment. And I'm not sure I've ever met anybody that has said, I really regret doing all that CE and taking that time away from my family. And I don't know. I mean, I love going to CE just to hang out. At this point in my life, like, I mean, clinically, I've stagnated. I'm good. I'm not pushing for anything else. Tahir, have you ever heard anyone that's been like, yeah, I wish wish I wouldn't take it all at CE?
2: The only people I hear that from are people who never implemented it when they got home.
0: Yeah, like full mouth. Yeah,
2: yeah, or or so like we have a lot of people who are like, oh, I went and got trained on singles, but then then I never did it. Or I was in an associateship and they wouldn't support it or whatever Mm. the case may be, right? So they just like this, all this money and investment they made then all the muscle memory is gone from their fingers and they just get cobwebs growing. What we advise is, hey, if you're gonna do this, let's make sure you get a couple of cases set up within the next couple of months, if not like that direct week afterwards, if you can swing it, even if you do the case for free and you go lock it in, because once you lock it in, it's yours forever. But that's literally the only version that I've heard someone regret doing CE is because they never implemented, it and they don't regret doing it, they regret not implementing it. So I guess that that distinction is there. I know a lot of people who regret doing startups. I know a lot of people who yeah, regret doing their second practices, mm-hmm. but it's few and far between that people actually regret investing in themselves and having a personal skill set to kind of do it. And here's the thing if you're a student and you're listening to this, you can go to these CE courses and observe for free.
0: Yeah, when you're in dental school.
2: Yeah, dude, you get in free everywhere. I mean, you got to pony up on the ticket and the hotel room, but stay at a Holiday Inn or like some La Quinta or whatever, right? Red murder hotel and then like yeah, yeah. <laughs> just lock your door barricade you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah just move the sofa in front of the door and save some coin and then like travel to these places call all the instructors like i have dental students who, we have 10 dental students coming to our course tomorrow and they're just like they light up when they're here and it's cool to see them like so excited about just watching surgery and then they go back to the oral surgery departments and they talk and it's just like it's cool to see them mm-hmm. like grow so if you're a dental student you can do this stuff for free outside of travel.
1: I wish I knew that these things existed. I had no idea that CE like this existed outside of school. I thought you just went to school, then you left and then you mm-hmm. started practicing when I was in it. I had no idea you could take CE during dental school for free.
0: Yeah. It wasn't on my radar at all. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, if we talk about dental students, easy as it comes, right? Every dental student call whoever, if you're a young doc and you're kind of strapped right now, there's ways to make this fit into your budget. Like I teach the business of dentistry with the Dental Success Institute, one of the coaches. We don't let people do CE if they can't afford to do it. If we look at all their numbers of their business, we look at their PL, we look at every line item, we look at their supplies and their labs and their payroll and their doctor compensation and their facility costs and everything, office supplies, you name it. We look at every percentage we benchmark it based on where that business is. They have certain allocations for CE, if you can't afford the CE, we, I mean, granted, you can do anything you want to do. We're just really not advising it. But a lot of the times, what works is to break this out over a long period of time. Because if you can do a thousand or two thousand a month in CE over a one year period, and then you can just do the procedures to cover that quote unquote note, if you will, it's a no brainer. Then it's like it's paying for itself. And now you have the skill set forever. Outside of that, A lot of people equate it to, oh, well, I'm getting a CT scanner and then I'm doing CTs and paying off the CT scanner. Well, that asset is depreciating. Mm -hmm. That CT scanner is like a car on the lot. You drive that thing off the lot, it depreciates. So it's not worth as much as it was versus the corollary where the skill set in your hands and your brain and your body and your profession, that appreciates over time. It only gets more valuable with the amount of reps you have in it. So it's like, you have to change the way you think about CE. It's not a depreciating asset. It's an appreciating asset. And the sooner you can get it, it just bodes for a better future.
0: I just remembered what I was going to add to that. And I was going to say, so I just bought a piece of land. I've never bought a piece of land before. That's like six and a half acres just came for sale. And I was like, dude, this is a steal. I knew what this like big 70 acre plot was going for. I'm like, they're giving this away what it made me think of this is that when you go to CE, think of the network you build. Like I wouldn't even know you guys. I mean, that's where I met you guys. I've met so many people. And last night I got this piece of land under contract. I probably had five or six different people I could have called and be like, Hey, what do you do when you buy land? What's the due diligence? What should I be looking at? I called my buddy, Justin. I called our buddy, Josh Cochran. I gave him a call too. And I said to my wife, man, I've got such a great network of people that I know. I just don't think there's anything that life could throw at me that I couldn't find somebody that's more of an expert on it. And that's what you learn when you go with courses. It's not just all about the knowledge. It's about establishing yourself, a nice network of people going through the same journey as you at the same relative of time and in friendships too.
2: Yeah. I actually think you hit on the most important topic, like right at the end is like, literally it's the people you meet through this stuff. Like that's like the magic and all of it. It's like in the seams of the course is where you get the most. So I, yeah, hundred percent agree.
0: Anything you guys want to add to that coming up on time just to wrap it up and take us into the sunset here? I think just in general, if you're considering anything,
2: I mean, just reach out to me and Dr. Brisky. We have this course coming up tomorrow. We've trained hundreds of dentists over the past couple of years. Me and Brisky are here to help. If you guys have any questions when it comes to CE, when it comes to how you want to implement it, when it comes to like breaking this out, like if you're a young doc, we break this out at 0% interest over 12 months or you can finance it through Proceed Finance. They do like 2.99% over a couple of years. There's so many options to have this monthly be like crazy low, where you can just have an instant ROI right in the first month if we plan this properly. And here's the thing, like me and Brisky, we were, we we're at these conferences telling people they're not ready for certain courses. So at the end of the day, call us, tell us your scenario. We're, we're going to shoot you straight and tell you like, hey, like we think you're ready. You're not ready. At the end of the day, you can do anything you want to do, of course. But we're just here to help. We're here to kind of pave the way and reach out. I and mean, we've got all our courses for 2024. Our course, obviously, tomorrow is our last for the year. and We're sold out and it's going to be awesome. It's like 18 arches and 14 laterals and 10 bone blocks and 30 single implants and 30 wisdom teeth. And I don't even know how we're doing all of that in three days, but it's going to be awesome. For anyone who wants to reach out to us, reach out to us at coloradosurgicalinstitute.com. You can talk to Chris Richards, who's the director of the program. He can get you in contact with me and Dr. Brisky, and we can kind of figure out what course fits you best in 2024. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Dune from Colorado Surgical Institute. Just wanted to give you guys a shout out and let you know about the program. We have full arch surgeries. We have lateral sinus lifts. We have block grafting courses all done in one weekend with the whole digital workflow with photogammetry units, scanners, 3D printers, milling, you name it, anything regarded to full arch, we cover in depth. We also have a PGCA course. What that is, it's the postgraduate clinical accelerator course, where we are gonna be covering wisdom teeth, single implants, and it can be complex single implants, with vertical sinus lifts. We'll also be covering full arch extractions with ridge reduction, bone grafting, PRP, suturing, and we also will have a course on socket preservation. So if you guys are interested in any of those courses, please reach out to us at Colorado Surgical Institute. The code is...